welcome to another episode of Whips What's Up With. This time, we are going to rewind your mind, at least initially, back to the turn of the millennium and the year 2000, called Y2K at the time. That was the year lots of people thought would result in a worldwide disaster when the clock struck midnight on January 1st. The thinking was that the clocks on all the computers that controlled everything from airplanes to the water supply to the power grid wouldn't understand what it meant when the year turned to zero zero and everything would abruptly shut off. 2000 was also the year of one of the most contentious presidential elections ever to that point, George W. Bush versus Al Gore, a contest which was so close that it all came down to the state of Florida, its hanging chads, and eventually the president was decided by the U.S. Supreme Court. And in the pop culture world, there was no hotter group in the world than the boy band NSYNC, which was enjoying the success of its No Strings Attached album back in 2000. That's the one with Bye 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 and It's Gonna Be May, the big ones. Well, the third single from that album in the U.S. was a song called This I Promise You, which went to number five here and was written and produced by a guy who is more well-known for the hits that he churned out as a pop ballad idol himself in the previous decades of the late 80s and the early 90s. A guy named Richard Marks, who has had a long and fruitful career both as an artist and a behind-the-scenes guy, writing and producing for other artists. And he continues to be loved by millions. So Richard has put out an album and a book about his life and career called Stories to Tell, and I was very pleased to talk to him about some of them. Hey, it's Richard Marks. How are you, man? Hey, Richard. What's going on? How are you? I'm good. First of all, uh, I'm going to get the pleasantries out of the way and just say it's an honor to talk to you. It really is my pleasure, and uh, I really like you. Oh, man, that's so nice of you. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. <laughs> Sometimes you don't know what to say because, you know, famous people, they get that all the time, and then you're like, you're here. But it, 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 it's just true. You're just a guy that I like, Richard. Oh, that's really nice, man. I appreciate it. Uh, so uh, you have a book and a new album, both called Stories to Tell. I've got those facts correct, right? You do. And do these stories go over your whole life, your whole career? Where's the starting point and where's the finishing point on these? Well, I mean, the start, it goes back to when I was five years old. It really goes back that far. Um, and it is a memoir, although, you know, to be honest with you, it didn't start out as a, as a story of my life. It started out as the life story or stories involved with a bunch of the songs that I have written and, and people I've worked with. And it was really a more career-oriented uh, collection of stories. And, and by that, I also don't mean stories that have no punchline or no point. For whatever reason, I've, in working with people and in, in, throughout my career, I've just had the funniest stuff happen to me. And so I, I started telling these stories on stage maybe eight or nine years ago when I started doing uh, a solo acoustic show. And I still do that show in between band shows. And when I'm up on stage with just me and a guitar and a piano, and my songs, I want to entertain the audience beyond singing to them. And so I just tell them these stories as if we were having a martini somewhere at a bar. And that's really what the, how the book began. But then as time went on, um, it became clear that I needed to write a little bit more about my life and my, my own experiences. And um, I've always been a really private person. You know, you've never heard about me in the tabloids or anything like that throughout mm -hmm. my career. And so I wrote those I wrote different points of my life in a way that felt 
uh, respectful and comfortable for me, but also maybe tells you some stuff about me that you didn't know. Well, people seem to be really interested in your personal life now that you're married to Daisy Fuentes, it seems. Am I off on that? I don't that? blame them. Yeah, well, exactly. I don't blame them. <laughs> am, am I off on that, or have you gotten that vibe, too, or is it just that we're in the Internet age here and maybe that goes with the territory? I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's uh, partly it's the fact that Daisy has such a fan base of her own and has been you know, beloved by so many people for such a long time. It's on one hand, I could see how people would put it together because we come from the MTV era together and, and we're around the same age. We're just a few years apart. I'm just a few years older than she is. But there are also a lot of people who go, what the hell? Well, you're kidding me. They got married. It's actually kind of amazing to me that we didn't meet throughout all those decades. We only met eight years ago. That's amazing, Richard. Uh, yeah, I'll stop you right there, Richard, because I met Daisy Fuentes. I mean, there's no reason for her to remember, but we did some kind of, uh, and I was doing radio at that time, and she was the host of some kind of fashion show, and I think it was like Marshall yeah. Fields at Woodfield Mall, I want to say. So I was kind of like okay. the local uh, you know, MC for the Daisy Fuentes appearance. So uh, yeah, I guess I've known her longer than you. You've known her longer than me, man, <laughs> but but I'm the one who gave her the ring. So right, exactly. I, I win. <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah. I'm not competing, believe me, not even trying to compete. Uh, so you're originally from here, and you lived here for a very, very long time, but then a few years ago you left, and now you're a full-time L.A. guy. Stop me if I get anything wrong. Uh, now, why did you leave Chicago? And I did read something that you said something to a reporter a few years ago about Chicago. The city never changes. What do you mean by that, if it's an accurate quote? I guess it probably would have been an accurate quote. And look, I grew up there. I lived there until I was 18. Then I moved to L.A. for about 15 years uh, to get my career going. And um, when I started, when my kids were about to start school, I felt that I wanted them to have a similar experience that I had growing up in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, so I raised my kids with my ex-wife um, in very near where I grew up. And would probably do that again in a heartbeat. It was a really safe kind of idyllic place for my kids to grow up. I think they are, they're happy that they grew up there. Um, interestingly, all three of my sons live in LA near me. Um, and I moved back to LA. Uh, I mean, I was sort of looking to move back to LA even before I got divorced. And, um, but it was just a series of life events that made me think I really don't want to be here anymore. It felt um, as great a city as Chicago is. It felt like I wasn't getting new information. I felt like, you know, maybe that was partly my fault, but I felt like Chicago is a city where most of the people I know there are content to just sort of do the things they've always done and eat the things they've always eaten. And they're happy with the tradition and, and not as maybe open to new ideas and progressive ideas as my, as my friends in LA were. And, and then there was the weather. So I, I packed up and, uh, and I've been, I can't imagine ever not living in California. Um, yeah, not a cause I just love the state so much. And not a single person could ever argue with the weather statement. Not a single person. Even, yes. even those of us who live here, like we know, we get it. We're like nodding along. Yeah. No, the weather thing. You're absolutely hundred percent right. <laughs> <This> <laughs> woman, Whip, I had this woman come up to me not too long ago from Chicago and she knew that I was from Chicago and she said, um, so don't you miss Chicago? And I said, well, 
Yeah, I mean, I miss the things about it, and I still have friends there. Um, you know, my buddy Ro Khan, who's a radio legend, and mm-hmm. he's still there. And um, and she said, but don't you miss the four seasons? And I said, well, listen, here in L.A., we have four seasons of freaking awesome. So no. <laughs> <laughs> I just reached a point. Um, you know, my father was a lifelong Chicagoan mm-hmm. until, I mean, he and my mom really kind of moved out to L.A. to follow me out there. So they left my dad was born in Chicago in 1924, moved to L.A. in the late 80s, um, lived there the rest of his life. And he would say to me, I could never go back there. I, it's too much. I can't deal with it. And mm-hmm. I and I totally can relate, you know, but but it's a great place to visit. And, you know, I, I saw my my touring schedule for next year. I'm playing twice in Chicago in the Chicago area. And I'm every time I see that, I go, oh, I can't wait because I get to see my friends and. And it's uh, it's a place I love to come and, and hang out for a couple of days. Awesome. I'm going to cheat and ask you two questions in once here, just in, uh, in one question, just in case we run out of time. I wanted to ask you about both these things. So somebody described you as, and this is a quote, hilariously profane on Twitter. So A, is it surprising to you that people seem to be surprised that you're kind of a real guy who might use curse words and stuff on Twitter? And why do you think that is surprising? That's A. And B, how did you end up on a recent family guy? Could you go through that with us? Yes. Uh, so the first thing is, yes, I am. Well, I'm glad they find me hilariously profane, but I make, make no apologies that I am a very potty mouthed person. Um, not, certainly not in the wrong circumstances. I'm not going to meet someone and immediately start throwing F-bombs. But, right. um, yeah, on Twitter, I feel like all systems are go, and I don't, you know, I don't edit uh, my language on Twitter. And I'm sure that they're surprised, I guess, because if they associate me with songs like Now and Forever and Right Here Waiting, they're not going to probably put that together. But if they know that I'm also the guy that did Don't Mean Nothing and should have known better in some of the rock songs, then it might make more sense. The Family Guy thing is actually really interesting because it's the connection is another Chicagoan named Richard Appel. Rich Appel is the showrunner for Family Guy, has been their head writer and showrunner for years. He and I have known each other since fifth grade. We went to school together. And he's really one of the only people from my school years who I've stayed in touch with and they've used my songs on Family Guy over the years here and there, um, really having nothing to do with Rich. It's just Seth MacFarlane has put these songs in some episodes. But then last year, last fall, Rich came to me and said, OK, somebody he said, again, it wasn't me. We came up with a bit and we'd love you to, to do a live action bit in an episode. Well, I don't know what you're saying, Lois, but that horse is the dumbest horse I have ever seen in my life. It hurt to hear, but deep down... I respected him for saying it. Finally, someone had told me the truth. And that boy grew up to have a multi-platinum recording career. Hi, I'm Richard Marks, and I suck at making clay horses. But ask your wife if she cares. God, it was fun. It was so hilariously written and... So yeah, that my connection to Family Guy is really uh, another Chicagoan named Richard Pell. And I didn't even know that, but the bit on Family Guy is absolutely hilarious. Uh, so a couple, <laughs> couple other things, if you got a minute. Um, your son, yeah. now I know one of your sons for sure is a musician also. Are all your kids musicians? Yes, I have three sons, okay. not one freaking doctor. All right. musicians, all singer-songwriters. Much to my, um, I, you know, I'm so proud of them and I'm, they're so talented, but Man, to be starting out in the record business or trying to make it in the music business now is really tough. But they're 
they're making their way. They're all really talented and they all do different things. Um, my middle them- son is more of a writer and producer for other people. And in fact, he just co-wrote the new Katy Perry single called Electric. Oh, kick ass. See, I was going to say, yeah. I know I, 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 I read a big feature on the one of your kids who is in a metal band, if I'm not mistaken, a couple of years ago, because sort of the story was just so how ironic, I guess, that was that Richard Marx's son is, is a metal musician. Do I have that right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, he was. He's not in that band anymore, okay. but he was in a band called For All I Am, which was, he toured with them for a while. And Jesse is a... Uh, incredible guitar player and songwriter and singer and he's about to release his first ep and it's it's i wouldn't say that it's metal but it's really heavy guitar rock but it's also super melodic and his lyrics are great and he's an incredibly talented guy as is my oldest son brandon who's all into electronic music electronic music and hip-hop so they all do very different things but they're all equally talented for sure and i'm not saying that just out of nepotism it's really true no i believe that and it you know sort of uh, they they combine with you and you've sort of got four different things going all together but all obviously musical geniuses the four of you right well i wouldn't call any of us geniuses but i but i'm going we, genius we, genius it is well, I, I love you for it man i um, <laughs> I'll, i won't i won't argue with you I'll, I'll just bask in the compliment but um yeah i'll tell you you know aside from how impressed i am with what my sons have been creating and how talented they are when they get up on stage and sing with me, which is which happens every so often, you know, when I'm out on the road, every once in a while, I'll just say, hey, I'm going to be playing here. Come with me. I'll fly you there. And we hang out because we're really close. You know, we're they're my best friends. And when they get up on stage and sing harmony to me, it's the most unique, special thing. And, and not just as a parent, but as a musician, because they are so good. And um, their sibling harmony is unique and it's awesome whenever we do something like that together the audience just loses their minds you know i think you brought up the song don't mean nothing earlier which was i'm going to call it your first song yeah it was my first single yeah my first my first hit and and i want to say that like to this day i can hear that song and i will put that song on and that song hasn't lost a thing like that thing still kicks ass to this day that 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 is really really great stuff thank you man well you know that was a great experience and i'm really proud of that song to this day somebody asked me Uh, Well, I mean, I've been asked, you know, what's your favorite song you've ever written, which is such an impossible question. Nobody, no songwriter is ever going to answer that question. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a favorite song, but I finally realized a couple of years ago that while I don't have a favorite song, Don't Mean Nothing is the most important song in my catalog in that it's the song that introduced us to each other. I mean, it introduced me to you and it introduced me to in like the world Mm -hmm. and the people who you know, ultimately followed my career or liked what I do, it all started with that song. And so that song to this day, man, I, I, every time I start playing it, I get so excited because I never tire of it. I I love singing it. I think it's still just as, um, as pertinent, you know, today as it was when I wrote it when I was 22 and, uh, I appreciate that you love that song because it's one of my favorites. It's too. also probably the type of song that you couldn't or that nobody could have written before once they had kind of made it, right? Because it's all about the pitfalls of trying to make it in the business and how frustrating it is, right? Yeah, but I mean, I was thinking about this the other day, man. Some of the lyrics that I wrote to that song, it's never what, but who it is you know, so easy to get stuck in all this California snow, Um no victim, no crime. Don't mean nothing to you. Sign it on the dotted line. 
uh, this song full of cynicism and I was 22 yeah. <laughs> when I wrote it. So it's pretty funny. Yeah. Well, I think it just sounds like a guy who's running into roadblocks and is annoyed and frustrated yeah, and then writes a great song and then launches a great career with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how it happened, man. All right. Stories to tell. So are uh, any of these stories that we've been talking about in your, uh, in your new book? Yeah. I mean, in one way or another, but I mean, it's, uh, it's mostly, you know, one thing that's been unique about my career is that I've sort of had two careers. I've had this career as a, as an artist and a performer and a songwriter for my own voice, but I've always, always had this separate career as a collaborator. And I've been blessed to work with so many amazing, famous artists. And as you can imagine, working with people like that all the time, you get great stories and they're, most of them are just hilarious like some of them you think i must have made them up name drop some of the artists that you're talking about here i mean everybody from the the people that i write about in the book working within the book everybody from barbara streisand to keith urban to luther vandross to kenny rogers to vixen the band the the metal band the all-girl band from the 80s or them um kenny loggins uh list goes on and on hugh jackman um and they're all stories that really happened that i feel were fun, entertaining stories to tell. Again, just like if you and I went to, to get a, a beer, I would say, dude, I got a, the funniest story about Hugh Jackman for you. And I would, you know, that's really what the book is. So new book and new album, Stories to Tell. It's uh, Richard Marks. Yeah, man. I really appreciate it. And thank you for your kind words. Uh, it really made my day. Well, the feeling is mutual. And hopefully the feeling is mutual with you as you checked out another episode of Whip's What's Up With podcast. Thank you for doing that. And hey, Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And we'll see you next time, another episode of Whip's What's Up With.